They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? Not crazy. There's hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that doesn't have a secret billionaire backer funding us and pulling the strings. Just a robot with blood on his pincers and delusions of grandeur. This is Hysteria 51. Don't worry, it's not my blood. You don't have blood, you dingus. I beg your pardon. I have gallons in the garage alone. Dude, we need to have a serious talk. Speaking of talks, I am going to be on Steve Harvey. Oh, Lord. What? Do I even want to know why? They are doing an episode on self-made men. With my bot booze empire, I was a shoe in. Bot. 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 You didn't tell me you're a robot. Exactly. But I am going to grow a sweet Harvey statch for the episode. It will win him over. Maybe you could go live with him. That'd be fun, right, buddy? Maybe you can stop trying to get rid of me and start trying to suck my ass. You don't have an ass. That's bullshit and you know it. The world has seen my sweet chocolate pocket. Stop it. Puckered starfish. Don't. Chicago mudflap. Old leather Cheerio. Alaskan pipeline. Canadian right, breath that's, mint. That's enough. <laughs> All right. It's going to take him a while to reboot. Perfect time, though, to welcome back another recurring guest, the mad scientist himself, Dr. Chris Cogs. That's Boom Boom Cogswell. I think you actually had uh, changed it, correct, over the over the summer? Dr. <laughs> you are correct there. There we go. Boom Boom Cogswell of the Mad Scientist Podcast. Welcome back to the lower fourth dimension. Thanks for Thanks, joining man. me. Oh, I'm so excited to be here again. This is, uh, you know, every time I come down here, it gets more and more dank and spooky. So it's, I'm excited. That's, you know, when I was looking for a home, my wife and I said, do you have anything that could really facilitate dank and spooky? There and the go. realtor said, say no more. Say no more. There we go. And you got it now. You know what, I man? It's perfect. Little did I know it just meant water problems, but uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, you know what, before we start, this is something that people always bring up with you. The Dr. Chris Cogswell, and they go, is he really a doctor? Tell everyone what your degree is in, what your your PhD. Yeah, so my PhD is in chemical engineering. Lame. Um, but, you know, PhDs are, PhDs are weird because in my, say, cohort of students of, you know, people that I did my PhD with, you had people studying uh, cancer. You had people studying uh, photons, right? Like photonics yeah. and the engineering of photons through materials and stuff. So my PhD is in chemical engineering, but the lab I worked with focused on what's known as the creation of um, of layered and post-functional or post-functionable uh, nanomaterials. You hear about those all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so it's so common. You know, what's crazy is actually so I, I just – I just found this out, actually. So one of the materials that I worked in when I was in undergrad, actually, not even when I was in grad school, were what are known as 3D microchips. And so the idea, like right now, if you think about, you know, if you, I mean, if you were, you know, when you were a kid, I had this experience because I'm a tremendous nerd. But I used to, you know, like take apart old electronics and, and kind of look at the motherboards and try to figure out, like, what the heck was going on. And then, you know, nine times out of ten, you just pretend like you're a Gundam pilot and you make a, a suit out of them or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, so – but, you know, microchips or kind of just chips generally, like computer chips, are uh, currently limited to two dimensions. So you have one layer of chip that connects things. And so it's kind of like a two-dimensional or, a, you know – it can't go up and down, right? Yeah, you can't like lay chips on top of each other. In and out, side to side, and you're done. It's 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 passing through the 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 voltage and and doing exactly what this thing is. exactly. Yeah. So one of the projects that I actually worked on when I was an undergrad was for a project through um or a project that was with Intel on the creation of 3D microchip arrays, and wow. so we called them through silicone wafer vias. And so essentially, the idea was: can you through electrochemical plating. Yeah, I was going to ask, how are you? 
how are you facilitating the 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 movement from up and down from left and right or or, or right yeah right it's actually pretty simple so you take like a you take a a silicone wafer and then you actually um you actually create uh anodization so anodization is is I mean that's, that's one method of doing it. That wasn't the way that we were doing it particularly, but mm-hmm. essentially you create a template. So you create another nano feature that is templated onto the material of interest. Then that material can be used as a template. So for instance, with anodization, which anodizing is just another, it's a fancy word for a type of electrochemical method. Yeah. But essentially, um, like aluminum, when alumina, aluminum oxide gets uh, coated and then when it gets anodized, it grows as these very straight, um, perfect hexagonal pores. And so within those pores, and depending on the current and the voltage and other, you know, charge oh, density you can and other tell things, which way to go by by the, the exactly you you, wow. you can change the size of the pore, you can change you know all kinds of different things. And so what we were working on, at least my part of the project, was can you actually control the um, can you control the type of nanowire you create by – you create these anodized layers, then you plate inside of there like nickel or copper or other mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. and then you actually can remove the alumina with acid etching. So alumina is easy to remove, but these yeah. other things won't won't be removed. So it's really like a lot of nanoengineering. So that's – anyways, so that – Technology now is actually finally coming out to market. I was just which is say, really where cool. are we at on that? Like, is it something? Yeah, so it's viable? it's actually like finally coming out to market, and that was, I mean, I was working on that stuff, and Intel was you know already ahead of it and whatever, and some of the people that I actually worked with in that lab now work for Intel. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. But so that stuff is now like coming to market. Actually, I saw it. I saw a. Uh, I actually saw it on Twitter. Someone tagged me in a an advertiser or an advertisement for this new 3D chip technology that they're putting out there. So what you're really saying cool. is when people take up, you know, they, they start talking about nanomaterials and, and things, you have no idea what they're talking about and you, you really should Absolutely none. My eyes glaze over. I have never worked on a nanomaterial. And there's not been any nanomaterials or particles or anything in the news of the weird lately, so it doesn't really matter. It's not something we've been talking about at all. No, 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 no one, no one accidentally... Um, decided to to just kind of like walk into my wheelhouse of PhD research and be like, we think we found a we think we found alien layered nanomaterials, and I'm like, no, you didn't. Yeah, well, so <laughs> if you guys are wondering what we're talking about, that's been the big thing. If you've been watching anything in the news, they they say uh, the the TTSA has these layered nanomaterials that they say are from another planet. They're, they're alien in nature. And they were manufactured, and not only that, now TTSA has signed a contract with the Army using this for, I believe they said, plating, right? For for military assets? They were going to use it yeah, for some well, sort of defense systems. Uh, well, as- so, 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 okay, so, so far what we know is, so first off, actually calling the two, two Stars Academy materials nanomaterials is a misnomer, because... So far, all that they've shown is that they're micron thick layers. So they're actually micro materials, um, which is technology that we've known how to do in control since about the 1880s. So that's not great, right? <laughs> um, aluminum foil that you have in your kitchen right now is on the same order of magnitude of size. Um, and in some cases, even thinner than the layers of material to the Stars Academy are claiming are of interest and must have been created by aliens. Whatever heck. Yeah. So like you, you and your listeners could go out and buy like aluminum foil, nickel foil, gold foil, mm-hmm. and just kind of sandwich them together and then heat them. And you would have made it to the Stars Academy nanomaterial now this, or, or, or interesting material. The interesting about this is, you know, they, they haven't really been forthcoming with what tests they've done on it. The, the people that have been a part of it have been less than cordial. I know when you've pushed back on them. Yeah. It's just an interesting thing that is such caught up in the, the, the world of the weird and the, the mainstream news. Yet people aren't paying attention. You know what? I mean, I think this is part of a long history of, and we say this on our show a lot. This is part of a long history of government corruption in my mind, where the government pays for random weird experiments into whatever the hell their people think are interesting or think is interesting. Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, this, and this is a, even the team that's been involved in this since, since like the late sixties. So the same team that to the stars Academy now has on board, 
a, a lot of the main person, Hal Pudoff, was also involved in um, the study of psychic uh, warfare, mm-hmm. right? He was involved in remote viewing experiments that were at least partially – uh, part of a study of Scientology's claims. We just uh, talked about Skinny Bob recently, and remote yeah. viewing was one of those things. You know, we there we go. We've talked remote viewing in the past, and so skin, uh, Skinny Bob. So Scientology and remote viewing have they go hand in hand? Like, what's that? What's the what's the connection? Remote viewing was one of the main claims that was made by Scientology in the early sixties. They right. said if you became a, a, a OT level seven or whatever, you know, whatever OT level you could be at the time, seven at that point was the highest level you could be. Now I think it goes to OT eight or something. But yeah. anyways, funny how when they've milked their people enough, they have to add another level we of complexity. Just found something else <laughs> and for a nominal fee we can get yeah, right, right. It's it's the way I feel about uh, video game consoles. Right, as soon as I feel like I've I've got all of them, I've got all this generation of consoles. They're like, hey, PlayStation Five, you freaking nerd. <laughs> no, three so, nano chip technology. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting destroyed. You know, my wallet will never recover from my love of video games. But uh, the early days of Scientology, when they were really, you know, they were fighting for scientific relevancy. Mm-hmm. And so they had this they had this machine, the E-meter, out there, and they were really trying to find scientists to Grab get involved. Grab on and squeeze, baby. Grab on and squeeze. Right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of the scientists that they actually found to – or a scientist who kind of got caught up in this was Hal Pudoff, who's now the head of To The Stars Academy's mm-hmm. science – quote-unquote science division. Um, and we know this because we have we have letters that – Pudoff wrote. We have his claims in Celebrity Magazine, which is the Scientology main magazine. Mm-hmm. He's talked about his time in Scientology before. Um, and, on, and honestly, a lot of his views are still very tinged with this same idea of Scientology that you can, um, you know, remote viewing in, on its own is this idea that you can extend out your aura or whatever. Mm-hmm to a foreign location and then be able to tell, you know, what's there. Well, and so when, when Pudoff was with a group called SRI, mm-hmm. which was interestingly called the Stanford research Institute, but was immediately thrown out of Stanford university because it was considered uh, an embarrassment. But anyways, um, <laughs> they kept the, the name. Was they kept the, the good name. <laughs> they beca- yeah. Seriously. Like something like that, or, you know, uh, you're an embarrassment to this institution. Um, <laughs> Anyways, uh, he then w- was working with this this group at SRI, and they brought in famous Scientologists at the time. They brought in people like, say, Ingo Swan and Yuri Geller and other Scientologists who claimed that they could perform remote viewing. And it turned out that their experiments were uh, methodologically flawed right. significantly. Yeah, we talked about that in our in our um, re- we've talked about the remote viewing and anything that happened for the most part was was uh indistinguishable from guessing for the most part you know well and and the, and the other the other important thing too is that when those the the so the putoff experiments the putoff target experiments are interesting because they are the ones that showed a significant not really a significant but a higher it showed statistically it looked like percent or something like that higher yes. chance of, of yeah. um, accuracy than just guessing. Yeah, right. But then when you removed the methodological flaws that created cues in the mind of the judge. So in other words, you know, your brain is constantly picking up on cues whether or not you think you are. Uh-huh. And there are some really great YouTube videos on this. One of my favorites is it's people throwing a red ball around a room and it says, you know, look at the red ball. And at the end of the video, and so it'll ask you like how many times was the ball passed between you know people in the room. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the video, it actually asks, "Well, how many times did a T Rex walk in a frame?" And you're like, "None, no, none times." You know, I didn't see a T Rex. And then they're like, "Well, actually, it was three. And when they go back through the video, there's a guy in a T Rex costume walking across the frame three times, very obviously in the middle of the video. But because your brain is looking for something else, it's tricked into well, not. And there's people that have made livings doing this, you know, the amazing Kreskin and things like that. Yeah, that are so in tune with picking up on on. Um... Darren Brown. Darren Brown is a it's it's a cold reading mentalists. They, they 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 can do that in they can make you not 
see what they don't want you to see, but they can also exactly. pick up on subtle cues and things like that. They're not magic. They're just really, really adept at being focused and, and, and taking in their surroundings. The other important thing that they can do, and it's important for this case, is that they can make you pick a certain answer. Out of a pool of answers. They can cause you to pick a pool of answers, right? So there's a famous one. Again, Darren Brown, for those that don't think this is possible, go watch his stuff. He's amazing. He has a very famous case where he's sitting in a room with Simon Pegg, and he's got a Christmas present in front of them. And he's like, okay, Simon, I want you to think about what you want for Christmas. But first, let's talk a little bit so I can try to guess what you're going to want. And then afterwards, Simon Pegg, you know, he asks, Simon, what do you want? And he goes, well, I want a red BMX bike. And of course, that's what's in the box. But the reason that Simon picked a red BMX bike is because Darren is giving him cues yeah. while they're talking. But it's he's so subtle that he doesn't realize. It. Exactly. He's mentioning things that are red and he's mentioning bicycles and riding and, you know, these other things. And it's even more subtle than that. You know, there's there was one that he does where it spells out BMX, but you never would have picked it up, you right. know. So anyways – there are ways to do this, and it's part of the challenge of studying these things scientifically that you need to be careful of that methodological flaw. And it turns out that if you remove those cues from the Pudoff Targ papers or their test mm-hmm. results, um, it goes back to random chance. Well, if you really want to understand how to do this, you don't want to go down the mentalist avenue and you don't want to go down the Scientology avenue. All you got to do is hop on John Vivanco's site. He teaches classes on remote viewing, Awake and Empowered Expo. You can go there and meet him. He's going to teach you how to remote view for a nominal fee. Just John Vivanco, you know, and you don't have to worry about if it's real or not. It's still real to me, damn it. It's all real. Of course. So good. Well, you know what's funny, actually, is I I remember when I was a kid, um, there were these websites where you could – actually test your psychic abilities and the way, and this was actually part of this. uh, It was a study or was a type of study that the parapsychology community has done for a long time, which is you have a rand, a true random number generator and the person doing the psychic test tries to force certain values to come out. And so you're trying to force like, you know, well, I want, you know, I want four out of 10 to come up more often than everything else. Mm-hmm. And so then at the end of the session, then they test and see if that actually worked or not. And it's kind of an interesting. So there was a website where you could do this. But anyways, the reason that all this is then connected to, say, to the Stars Academy is mm-hmm. because Putoff is now their head of yeah. uh, scientific research. A name among names with them. Yeah. Right. And the funny the funny thing is that, you know, he's kind of using – um and, you know, I've, I've never met him. I'm sure I've heard he's a very nice guy. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's nice. You know, I'm sure he had, uh, I'm sure that something, you know, one thing in our series right now on Bigelow that we're trying to make clear is that we're not, we're not trying to smear anybody. You know, we're not trying to be dicks. Like that's not, that's never our this goal. This is just in his past. And that, this is just the facts. About. Right. Exactly. So. You know, it's, it's simply, you know, I had, I had people or we've had people come out and say, well, you know, wouldn't you think it was improper if you were talking about, say, someone who was, you know, Jewish or something, right? Isn't Scientology just another religion? And so it should have no bearing on the science. But the argument I've made back is, well, that's a ridiculous argument. If he was a young earth creationist claiming that he's found geological proof that the earth is 6,000 years old. That would that would be an important part of the story, right? That he's not just some scientist; he's a young Earth creationist. Mm-hmm. That would be an important piece of information you'd want. Also, uh, I would hope that he would make that evidence uh, searchable, and <laughs> and you know, <laughs> right. others can investigate to prove if it is true or not. And that's the and that's the other part of this that people never talk about is that their studies and their methods have never been really put out there. You know, they've published, but when they publish them, people even, you know, the reviewers comments are available um, through the editorial that was published in nature when they published this result in the first place mm-hmm. that, you know, they said uh, the results or the methods are, you know, kind of uh, difficult to pin down. And the, the way that we can pin them down right now, it makes it look like there's 
serious flaws in this method. When those methods have been given out to other researchers, they've been um, discussed as being, again, seriously flawed. So it's, you know, it's not like this stuff hasn't been looked at by the community, um, even within the parapsychology community. It's, you know, so I don't know. It's a, to me, it seems like a, there's a very strong contingent of people who want to the Stars Academy to be true. Mm-hmm. And so they are pushing for them. It, it, anything that comes out against the credibility to the Stars Academy, they turn into it just, you know, well, that's either a bad faith argument or it's just making to the Stars Academy even stronger. Anytime there's a company out there that's you're investing in, you're trading, they need accountability it, you know, that's why large companies have the sarbanes-oxley act and things like that so we can see exactly what they're doing monetarily and you would hope that if something is a technology company or whatever you want to call it an entertainment company that dabbles in technology uh it's definitely not a, a ufo research company which i think a lot of people <laughs> uh, put their money into it because of that because now we know that tom DeLong has said that in the last week or so that they are not a you know a company to study extraterrestrials it's an important thing, I think, uh, visibility, accountability. You know, we, we want everything to be transparent, but when you push on questions with companies like this, people get very upset. And I, I you know, I, I, it's one of those things where I've said in the past, I have a lot of issues, I think, with things that are, that TTSA has been doing. I hope I'm wrong. I really mm-hmm. do. I would love for it all to be exactly what they're saying. There's just been a lot of red flags that have been raised for me. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to Robert Bigelow, because he's one of the, the the names associated. He's someone that you've been talking about. And it's, it goes hand in hand with the not wanting to really hand over evidence and your your research that they've done. That kind of goes back to the the all the different uh things that went on with skinwalker ranch and things we've talked about in the in the past so chris let's let's run the break real quick when we come back we're going to talk bigelow and skinwalker and how this all ties together nice that is next on hysteria 51 hola david me i'm brent Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I that, I, I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and Mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value. And you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use. And we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term. And uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started for very limited time. Hysteria Fifty One listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. How much? Fifty percent. Visit Rosetta Stone dot com slash today that's 50 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life wow. redeem 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 how do they do it 
Rachete, your oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rachete. <laughs> Redeem it. 50% off. RosettaStone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So we talked put off. We've talked a little bit of TTSA. We're going to get back to that. But the man of the hour, the man that we want to talk about a little bit is Robert Bigelow. For many, I think the thing that put him on the map for people that were casual observers was he did that 60-minute interview, and the title was CEO billionaire Robert Bigelow, quote, the aliens are already here. A lot of people don't expect someone with his kind of money to, to be making claims like that. Am I crazy saying that? No, you're not. Well, the you know listen we can Crazy get for we other can, reasons <laughs> we can we can get into late stage capitalism if you want Bren. we can get into that but, like late you know, stage capitalism <laughs> the the thing that's hap- you know the thing that happens with a lot of this is people assume that if you're rich you must be smart and so you if you're rich you're not going to be involved in in stuff that the majority of people think is you know, kind of weird or kooky or whatever. But, but even being a part of that doesn't mean you're not smart at all either. It just means no, maybe of course. That you're open to it or or willing to fill in the blanks that people don't really know. Absolutely. But, you know, it's an important part. I think it's part of another myth that I think people have, which we try to dispel on the show, you know, every week if we can, that, uh, <laughs> you know, just my existing should dispel this myth that scientists are credible. <laughs> just based on their just based on their very existence, yeah, right? Yeah, it's funny how people give, you know, you don't even have to go to scientists. I'm a, I'm a fucking actor, so my not me, but you know, you know, your political view or whatever is somehow more important than Joe Schmo. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Scientists can have a much better view of something that doesn't mean that they're a good human being. Oh, the, I mean, and the other thing, too, that often happens in the sciences, you know, so science, if you look at the history of science, it is a deeply human endeavor. You know, science has never been that perfect thing that you were taught in school of, well, I'll make a hypothesis and then I will test and everything else. You know, science has always been um, political. It's always been social. It's always been economical and it's always been fraught with very difficult questions in in philosophy and religion and everything else. And so to claim that, again, uh, just because someone is a scientist means that they must be credible as well. You know, there are scientists who you've never heard of that are going to change the world. Right. You know, those are the people that win Nobel Prizes are very often scientists you've never heard of, but they've been doing good work for decades, you yeah. know. 
Um, on the other hand, the scientists that you have heard of, you know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Michio Kaku, um, me, you know, whoever, we've kind of chosen not to say that I'm of, at the same level of those other people. Right, I mean, but way you know, above them, way above, right, way above. Well, but Michio Kaku is pretty close to you. But otherwise, <laughs> you know, those other those those scientists have chosen actually to go into what's known as science communication, and so their time spent actually doing science is very limited. You know. Um, it's actually one of the criticisms that's often kind of, I think, funnily aimed at, say, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Mm-hmm. People will say, well, you know, he doesn't even do science. He's, you know, he's, he's got his name is on like a module that's on Mars. Mm-hmm. You know, like the guy was a mechanical engineer for, for years before doing his show. And, you know, in my mind, teaching science or bringing science to the public in a way that's interesting is also important. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, with Bigelow, he's not the first rich guy to get involved in the sciences for his own pet reasons or pet projects. Oh, absolutely not. You know, I, ho- I hope to, that a lot of people, you know, when they get rich, th- I wish more people would look at it as, well, I can do that instead of a, oh, I shouldn't do this because people might judge me. Right. And, you know, the the link that I've I keep making right now and not again, this is not to say there's any kind of um, linkage between these two figures, but look at what the, you know, the revelations about what um, Jeffrey Epstein was funding in the sciences, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. he was just because he's some rich asshole. He was having these, you know, summits where the top minds in the sciences were coming to hear him talk about how they should make a Jeffrey Epstein uh, clone army, you know, and, um, he should impregnate all the women in the world and they should save his seed and, mm-hmm. you know, all this crazy crap. Just because you're rich and you can give money to scientists, uh, we're, you know, they're going to listen to you, right? right? Science is always hungry for funding. Good and Lord so Bigelow, knows that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the Bigelow story is kind of an interesting thing. And, and on top of that, too, Bigelow has never really even worked with scientists who would – you know, the scientists that Bigelow has been working with are the ones that are like really starving. You know, mm-hmm. they're not it's not even like he's talking to very high level people necessarily. Well, yeah, he was he, the, the people that are in his employ that have been at places that you, you've looked into, you know, your skinwalkers and stuff like that are people right out of school or, or trying to scratch by making a living. And um, uh, right. It's actually it's actually quite interesting that he's never. As far as we know, and again, this can right, just be because it's right. hidden, but as far, you know, in the public face is our scientists who are, um, you know, the most legitimate of them, I think is probably Colm Kelleher. Um, that's actually been employed, employed by, by mm-hmm. Bigelow. Other than that, they're kind of fringe figures. Um, you know, I mean, the NIDS, the NIDS advisory board, notwithstanding, that was full of people that again, he had given money to or he had worked with through other uh, associations, but, the reason that Bigelow is important to this story for listeners that don't really know, I, you know, we kind of have beaten around the bush, I think, but I think your listeners generally know this anyways. He's, he's been kind of a silent funder, a silent, I don't know, I guess kind of backbone to the UFO subject. The man behind the curtain, so to speak. Right. And not even just for UFOs, but he's been the man behind the curtain, as you said, for kind of fringe ideas since the late I don't know. I'd argue maybe since the late seventies. I mean, we don't, we don't have doc. We, the earliest documentation we have of him being involved is with Linda Moulton Howe and George Knapp in, uh, when she was kind of making her documentaries pre HBO. Right. Um, the on thing about him is too, that it's so hard. And this is something that Chris and I were talking about before we even started. He does everything through, I don't want to say shell companies, but he does everything through a lot of different companies. Be that for, anonymity be that for tax reasons be that for whatever it becomes very hard to figure out who owns what or who's doing what and when people work for him a lot of times they're signing non-disclosure agreements yeah they're not allowed to talk about it and so everything kind of becomes this well i heard this or i heard that and then later through freedom of information or leaking or him coming out and say you go oh well he did have his hand in that things like um, well, you know, we've done our episode on the Skinwalker Ranch. You've done lots on him and stuff. And the stuff that comes out now, you're finding maybe the research wasn't as as hands-on or as good as what we really thought it was or, or what you would expect. 
even even ATIP, right? So we mm-hmm. ATIP was founded on kind of Skinwalker Ranch, it appears. Yeah, you know, so was... ATIP is so the NIDS was what who was doing Skinwalker just for the people listening at home, and it kind of it just got renamed, so to speak. So yeah, so here's this. So here's kind of the history, right? So NIDS formed. So okay, Bigelow gets involved in UFOs. In the late 80s, early 90s, he becomes involved with locals around kind of the New Mexico, Nevada, Las Vegas sort of area, Utah around there. So that would be Linda Moulton Howe, members of MUFON, yeah. uh, big, big names in MUFON, actually, Schusler, Carpenter. Um, the people that make uh, the decisions. Bill Moore, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um also with uh, George Knapp, of course, the kind of, uh, you know, a reporter who becomes kind of a Bigelow he, he, staple. He shoehorned himself into the narrative. Almost. Right. Yeah. It's kind for of an interesting. Knapp is an interesting story for another day, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, they kind of so they all kind of come together and converge. And then Bigelow decides. So he starts funding. He starts seriously funding weird studies. Yeah. NIDS uh, for everyone home is the National Institute for Discovery Sciences. That's what. That right. Means. And so. So his Bigelow's funding of like uh continuation of consciousness, so like life after death, yeah, what happens when you ghosts, die. Yeah. whatever, all those things, his funding of UFO research, um, which he funds a very big conference on abductees at MIT in ninety two, all those things kind of converge. And then his his funding of the University of Nevada, uh Las Vegas, all of those things converge into this team that's NIDS, which is made up of people that have received Bigelow's funding or have have just kind of heard of him potentially from around this area. You mentioned Colm Kelleher. He was actually the the head of it for quite some time. He yeah. was. Yeah, he was. The, he was kind of the what did they call him? Not the director, but or maybe it was director. But what ends up happening then? So they have this NIDS and the people that you've heard of are what are known as the science advisory board. So those are people that actually don't really go on the ranch all that often. They don't really, you know, they're supposed to be kind of almost a peer review board right. for stuff that comes from the ranch. The problem is that the people that they hire to do the studies on the ranch don't ever really find anything and you know so and that's just from even even from their own accounts of what happens you know colm mm-hmm. kelleher and george knapp write a book hunt for the skinwalker which is which you have to assume went through bigelow to uh get the okay to be published in the form that it's published in real, real quick that's a funny thing and that's a distinction john really made this point was trying to make this point ring across when we did our episode on skinwalker is the information that everyone has on Skinwalker was from Colm and Nap. Yes. They sanitized or gave out what they wanted. Yes. George Knapp is an Emmy-winning investigative reporter. He's a very respected person. He's the one who dropped the whole Bob Lazar thing and, and all this stuff. But you got to understand, he was also paid, and that is a scrubbed story or an okayed story one way or another. Yes, it is a yes, absolutely. Everything we know about Skinwalker either is from Coleman Knapp and therefore from Bigelow himself, or it's from anonymous NID sources who claim that the ranch was a complete shit show and they did nothing there. Really interesting. You were actually just this week. I thought this was interesting. You had posted on a, a forum that, you know, no one would ever heard of because we're always on those, uh, you know, <laughs> where you talked about someone had posted about they had worked there and it was terrible. And you were trying to track down that individual because it would been posted in like 2000. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, do you want to talk about in, in in what they said about what was really going on there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about it. So it's this guy. So we cannot confirm the reason that it's not on the show yet. You can't we're hoping the poster. It, yes. The we're hoping it, it. we're hoping it'll be on the next episode because we're digging as hard as we can and as quickly as we can. But essentially what this person says is that the team that Bigelow puts together is so there's two teams really that Bigelow has at this point in time. There is the scientific advisory board, which actually operates more like a reading group. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of, you know, they're talking about ideas and stuff about UFOs and consciousness and seeing, you know, it's almost a continuation of the stuff that Bigelow was already doing um, by bringing in speakers and stuff to kind of talk at his company. So right. um, 
the the scientific advisory board, you know, they're kind of dormant, but, you know, somewhat active, one would say. And then there are the people that are actually on the ranch. And so the scientists or the people that are kind of Bigelow's inner circle appear to be Pudoff, Alexander, Kelleher, um, and then the ranch hands that they actually hire. And so they, that is the team that's actually doing the investigations then are these kind of random people that they hire to go stay on the ranch full time. Right. And so those people are supposed to be former FBI and whatever, but you know, we have no evidence of that. Anyways, th- so those are the people that have signed the NDAs that are very, very hard to get into contact with or even right. find. But so one of these people supposedly, um, claimed in a letter to or an email to this guy who was writing on a very active UFO forum back in the day that was studying and and watching all the Skinwalker stuff in NIDS, claimed that essentially the Skinwalker ranch was run similar to the way that that Bass, Bigelow Advanced Aerospace, Mm -hmm. whatever, will be run, which is to say badly. Um, you know, mismanagement, they're never given any clear direction. No one knew what they were supposed to be doing. It was kind of, there's no, yeah, yeah. there's no scientific protocols, um, in place. There's no like logbook even for who's on the ranch. And the problem is, like you said, the people that are there, these ranch hands, these people, these FBI agents, if they were, they're not scientists. Right. And so the, the main issue becomes they're not. As far as we can tell from the reading and from what we find and even from the stories that are in Hunt for the Skinwalker, they're not – they really don't do a lot of preparing for something weird to happen. They're always um, reacting. They're not kind of being proactive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a cattle gets mutilated and then they're like, oh, let's investigate the cattle mutilation. Well, that's – useless right where's your 24 7 constant surveillance everywhere exactly and and now now people have said though well that did happen they just didn't release it why and and in in right and in hunt for the skinwalker there's even that there's a famous story of they did set up kind of a camera trap but then the ufo or ghost or whatever it is unplugged it. Yeah. unplugged the camera you know yep. Yep. um it's like well why you know why would you why would you leave the plugs exposed i don't right. <laughs> like, i right. don't understand like i don't know i know in, in up to that point i think um you know jock valet's diaries actually end up being one of the best sources of info on the ranch um and and kind of how the scientific advisory board operated. And then now actually Edgar Mitchell's files are also another really good source of information because both of them were on the scientific advisory mm-hmm. board. And both are huge names. So what they've been through, you can you can find readily available uh, this information they've said. We find out that they, you know, they say, you know, well, Bigelow up to this point. I mean, I think I think there was a letter that was like it was 98, 99 or something. And Jock Valet says Bigelow is at this point already spent like 14 million dollars on this research. So here's my question for you. Was he just an absentee landlord or was he allowing this to happen? What was the why was he spending so much money to not have anything worthwhile uh, allegedly go on? Was well, he just thought it was happening but he he was he was, you know, hands-off approach or is I don't understand why, I guess. I guess there's three prevailing theories out there. So one, and this kind of goes into, I mean, again, we keep falling down tangents. This stuff, yeah, no, if, I, if listeners, if listeners can't tell, this stuff is, there is a lot of info. Yeah. It's all interwoven. There's a tremendous amount of info here. Um, but so I guess the, the three prevailing theories are, so one, and this is kind of my pet theory. Um, Bigelow is doing this, is spending this money because he knows that at the end of the tunnel, there is the potential. First off, he's spending the money because he knows he'll make it back. Mm-hmm. Um, Bigelow appears to be a true believer. <laughs> and right, so, right. you know, he, you can imagine if you think you are on the verge of discovering, and you have all these people around you too, who for their entire careers have said they're on the verge of discovering, you know, how UFOs operate or uh, whatever. It's very easy to think, well, if I just keep spending money, eventually my investment will pay off. Because we're going to be the ones to develop anti-gravity technology or we're, you know, I mean, look at Tom DeLong, right? How much money is he spent on to the stars Academy? Right. Yeah. For essentially, you know, uh, 
I mean, I don't know, minimal payoff. It's the same thing, I think. There, I think Bigelow is a true believer. So that, so that's one theory. Bigelow is a true believer. Mm-hmm. And so he thinks that this stuff will pay off. Another prevailing theory is Bigelow is a cynic who maybe doesn't believe in this stuff, but knows that it will pay off anyways. So he's and like so a, the, he's like a, a a Philip Class kind of thing, but almost he's but he's putting his money where his mouth is, but he, he in a different way. I don't believe in it, but I, I know it's going to benefit me, so I'll just shut up and let him go through it. Exactly. So he, I think Bigelow. That part of that argument would be Bigelow has always been. I mean, listen, the proof is that Bigelow has gotten closer to people who might know the truth than uh, any other anyone else in the UFO field so far, it would appear. But at Sugar the same time, vinegar, you know, or, at, uh, at, yeah, exactly. Look at, it. at the same time, though, he's also gotten closer to misinformation agents than many people have gotten. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, at the same time, he was dealing with Linda Moulton Howe and George Knapp. They were promulgating Lazar and. Uh, you know, what's that guy that, uh, not, uh, Bill Moore, right? Uh-huh. Um, and Richard Doty and yep. people that are, especially Richard Doty, I was just talking about this. All of a sudden, he's showing back up in the world. He's yes. going on podcasts. He's talking about how he's misunderstood. Do people really retire? You know what I mean? Is this exactly. on purpose? It's such a crazy thing. And I've said to people recently, like, you know, his background, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's a nice guy. I'm sure he is. But uh, hell, I'm friends with him on Facebook. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's it's kind of a so that part of that argument would be Bigelow is cynical to the point of potentially spreading misinformation on purpose. Maybe the government says we're going to give you these contracts if you do this other thing. Yes. That's a hell of a long game because he's it been is. doing it for you know, since, well, I mean, really funny, well, like but, he has since the 90s. But when he got involved, it was at the height of the kind of Doty era, you know? That's true. And he was, and he was right in the middle of it. So that's the thing. And I'm not saying this is true or anything else or whatever, but, no, you know. because we don't know. It, it's, it's, right. it's speculation and but, you can speculate but, any way you like. But we also know, as part of this kind of cynical thing, I would argue, you know, it doesn't even have to be a conspiracy. It could just be about government contracts. Bigelow, through his buddy Harry Reid, was the one who got the the contract for what would become ATIP, right? He got $22 million. It's very, very documented that he pushed Harry Reid and leaned on him to make that happen. He was like, this is something we need. This is something we need. I'm I'm big money donor. Let's, and, uh, and- let's have this happen. And Harry Reid, for good or worse, he's been very open to the idea of – of alien research and things like that, researching the alien idea. Well, even on, even on the, you know, yesterday and the day before nap put out, because there's been some, uh, there's been some hullabaloo in the community about whether or not Elizondo is really who he says he is. Mm -hmm. Um, Reed was on, uh, Reed was interviewed by George Knapp. And even in that interview, Knapp or, or Reed says, you know, uh, Bigelow got this contract for asswap, or ASOP or whatever the heck it's called. <laughs> you know, asswipe. I know. Seriously, it's ridiculous. You know, it's like, please come up with better UFO community, come up with better acronyms. But um Project Throb this, is off to a good start. <laughs> Project pro, Project Throb. Yeah. He, uh, he comes up with this uh he comes out of this with this twenty-two million dollar contract to study UFOs through the government. He it appears that Bigelow Aerospace is the only company that uh, that even puts in a bid on that contract. Funny how that and works. Didn't find that one online for me to underbid him. <laughs> and it's through Bigelow's good friend, Harry Reid, who they've been talking about UFOs and knowing each other. I mean, Harry Reid was involved in the investigation of Bigelow's father's uh, plane crash, the, the death yeah. of Bigelow's father when he was a young man. Mm-hmm. So these people have been in each other's lives, at least tangentially, Almost since Bigelow was twenty years old. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's it's That's funny how that works. Of of um, handshaking and back scratching one way or another. Right. It's funny. It's funny how that works. So you know, that's another avenue here is that it's about corruption. The third avenue, I guess, would be, um, I mean, the third avenue, I guess, would be that they they really did find something. Yeah. You know, the point of it <laughs> you know, is. Maybe they did, and that's you can't overlook the fact that maybe they really did. Maybe they found something, and that that that's why it's not being 
released. And the good way to throw people off the scent is to make someone look like they've mismanaged it. And it's, it's not worth looking into yeah. because they sure now people didn't really stay on the project that long other than some of the names. But then again, you know, you, you read about that and you think about that. That's another way to keep people from knowing what's really going on is you compartmentalize, you change over, you keep the clientele or not the clientele, but the, the, the people that work there turned over and over and over and no one really knows what's going on. It was ran like a clandestine thing. If you think of it that way, but I think maybe the best, Almost in my mind, what's interesting, and we're going to get into this in the next episode, right? One option here is that Bigelow buys this ranch. He buys a couple of haunted locations, mm-hmm. um, but this ranch in in uh, Utah, Skinwalker Ranch, famously he purchases. Um, nothing really of interest happens there. They got some weird stuff going on, and Bigelow's like, you know what? I don't, you know, we're not going to get any data from this. So, government, how about you use it for whatever you want? Right. And right. so then they get this contract and then the government gets to do whatever they want on that ranch and use the cover story of UFO sightings and garbage and whatever as a placeholder, right? Similar to what they did with or what we believe they did through Doty of, uh, of drone technology, right? Mm-hmm. That this guy, uh, Benowitz, Paul Benowitz says, you know, uh, Oh, I'm, I'm seeing UFOs. He brings it to the, I think one went down. Well, if you want to see UFOs, show them fucking UFOs. Well, exactly. He brings it, he brings that info to the Air Force base and then the Air Force base allegedly decides we're just going to keep feeding this guy UFO bullcrap so that he doesn't report on our drone technology that he's actually accidentally studying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, his mental health be damned. Exactly. So, you know, uh, to me, that is actually a more interesting or compelling story that Bigelow, you know, they don't find anything. He then gives the ranch to the government or lets them do whatever they want there. And I honestly, I think the biggest evidence that, um, the biggest evidence that nothing was found on the ranch is the fact that he gets sold, um, to someone not affiliated with Bigelow. Yeah. And that's funny. It's the whole weird who really owns it. Is it, is it Tom DeLong? Is it TTSA? Is it, did it really change hands or did it just change hands? In the I same can, company, uh, you know. I can I can say with some caution that To the Stars Academy does not own Skinwalker Ranch. Okay. All right. And it's so funny that they you know <laughs> they they uh they say, you know, we're not gonna tell you who owns it and it's all secretive and I will say this. I will I will say this. If you wanna find out who owns Skinwalker Ranch, mm-hmm. it's very easy. It, it very easy. We found. We think we found it out. Yeah, it's very simple. Um, just Google some stuff. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it. I'm gonna put it this way, right? The people that we're talking about uh, are not necessarily smart enough to hide all of their tracks. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And so some things like just it's not hard. Google, Google it, <laughs> folks. You're gonna find it. It's like not hard at all. It was actually the funniest thing with this whole, you know, the company that says that owns it now is Adamantium Holdings right. LLC. Yep. Right? Okay, fine, whatever. Adamantium, you know, whatever. People think, well, maybe that's Robbie, uh, what's his name? Um uh, the, uh, the that, singer, Robbie Yeah. Uh, uh, shit. Not Robbie Williams. Is it? It's not. Yeah, it is. Robbie Williams. Yeah, yeah it's Robbie Williams. Yeah. 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 People think it's him. People think it's Tom. People because think it's um, Robbie Williams has been very interested in the in the UFO and the alien whole thing. And he's been involved with all of these things previously. Yeah, it seems like it seems like Adamantium is clearly a shell company. That shell company goes back to another shell company, which goes back to another shell company that eventually goes back to an individual. <laughs> That's a hole we're not going to go down. And if you want to you know, find out more about that, you can. But I guess I'll wrap this up. We'll, we'll kind of bring it home because, unfortunately, Chris, this is just a conversation I wanted to have and we could go on forever. I know. What's the goal, do you think, with – I'll say TTSA with Bigelow. You know, he wants to have – by 2022, he said he's going to have his space hotel. Is that the goal? Is there an overarching goal or is there something that uh, we're not – seeing where we headed with these companies and this person. 
<laughs> I wish I could remote view. Um, or well, like I said, Vivanco can. <laughs> yeah, I'll get, I'll get some pointers. Maybe you can fund the podcast. Um, you know, the challenge, I think, right Whoa. now. No, it's all good. So the challenge with Bigelow's involvement generally with To The Stars Academy is To The Stars Academy has seemingly tried very hard to keep Bigelow's involvement at arm's length. Mm-hmm. And that is probably because they know stigma. First off, exactly. First off, To The Stars Academy knows their biggest base for funding is the UFO community. There's a reason why they pulled as much money as they could out of the UFO community first before saying we're not a UFO organization. Right. It, you know, and the problem is the people that dump money in them turn into that fucking guy finding out that wrestling's fake. It's still real to me, damn it. Well, and, seriously, and yeah. And are just going to say la, 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 and put your fingers in your ear. And that's fine. It's fine if you want to give money to this company, but know what you're getting into. And this seems like a huge fuck you to me. It is. That. It is. It's a. I was surprised at how quickly, you know, <laughs> I had someone on Twitter message me and say, you know, man, it seems like it's getting, uh, it seems like it's getting a lot hotter on Twitter right now about this stuff. And it's, you know, it's because to the Stars Academy, I think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance. I, people didn't know the history of Scientology's involvement in this. People didn't know the history of, Reed and Bigelow's involvement in this, I think to the level that they should have, I think, or, or maybe could have, maybe it should have is a, you know, is odd. It's you know, ridiculous, but I think they should have, uh, at least if they were interested in this, looked into the background, maybe a little bit harder. Um, and then people, I think are also, uh, then to have, so to have all this other info kind of, you know, spilling back out there and it's all available. It's not hard to find. You just, no, I mean, well, it's, it's just a pain, you know? Right. Because it's, it's not spread out everywhere. Right. It's a lot less of a cohesive message. And when a lot of the messengers today are people that don't have all of that message, um, it's, you know, it's really easy to gloss over all of it. I mean, a lot of people are getting involved in UFOs for the first time through to the stars Academy. And, yep. you know, we're kind of, we're kind of in a weird position because we're, I don't know. I like it'd be great if UFO was real, but I really have no like, you know. I I don't know. If, are they real? I don't know. I believe. <laughs> you know what? I, I believe it is absolutely impossible for us to be the only life. In the, oh, I, oh, I like you know, from yeah from a from if a far been away here or not. I you know that's up for debate, and I love talking about it. You know, absolutely. that's something different. Well, that's the thing, right? I think there's a difference between being interested in the subculture and the mythos. Versus being like actively pushing for disclosure as like a political movement. You know, those people, a lot of them got involved because of To the Stars Academy or got involved because of like Stephen Greer or, you know, whoever these, these other people, Stephen Bassett, these people pushing disclosure. They view To the Stars Academy almost as like a political thing. You know, it's like a part of their identity almost that this disclosure is going to happen. It's going to make the it's gonna make world peace happen. Thing. And- people say, you know, it feels like it's soft. I always ask people, do you believe that we're being drip fed? Because that's an interesting take. I love hearing people's take of yes or no or or absolutely not or, or maybe, you know, it, it goes all over the place. But it's also a telling question to know, like, do you believe that these things government has been behind a lot of these things or they know and they're keeping it from us those yeah. are dangerous questions or dangerous answers i guess if we actually got well them. people right and that's and that i TCS think is part says, of says it's for our own good if you well, knew and, the shit you know it would you'd yeah knock your aunt connie socks off you know if we knew the truth and that i think is why so i think part of one of the answers to your question which again is a much all of this stuff is very, it's nuanced, it's difficult, and it's got a lot of, it's a tremendous amount of history. I mean, we're talking about, we're trying to encapsulate, you know, 30, 40 years of history of a subculture into a quick 10, you know, 10 second answer. But there's, I think, I guess, two kind of main ideas or main camps that I would wager could be correct. The first one is that Tom DeLong again is a true believer and he is getting milked for all that he is worth and you know what it's it's very possible because he's been singing about aliens and looking into them for a very long time right and so i think that uh, there's no one better than him to breach that cultural gap that they had 
to use someone like that to make it into the mainstream. And it's hard to tell, you know, when they, this history, this field has a long history of rich people getting involved and then wasting a lot of money and then kind of falling back into the shadows. You know, I mean, Dan Aykroyd is a great example of this. Right. right. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting that it's interesting that the other big name who spent a lot of money in this not named Tom DeLong is Robert Bigelow. And yet their connection to Tom DeLong, um, the connection between, you know, TTSA and Bigelow Aerospace and just Bigelow generally, is kind of it's muddied in some extent, even though the to the stars Academy team is made up of people that Bigelow handpicked for his own projects. Right. Um, it's kind of interesting in that sense. The other interesting thing, uh, or the other option, I guess, is that the government, again, just like when the government was funding, um, psychic warfare in the seventies and eighties, that there are parts of the government who are a little bit more wacky than we would tend to believe normally. Hey, man, you know, if you think you can get an edge, why not fund it? The, well, the government was a little bit wackier, you're right, than, than I thought they would have given money to, but they were <laughs> willing to do some things that were interesting. Well, here's the thing, right? I mean, and for listeners that don't know this, it, it might be a shock, but, you know, the government funded – the Men Who Stare at Goats is is a nonfiction right. story that, that actually happened. Mm-hmm. And the people that were involved in that were on the NIDS team with Robert Bigelow. And some of them are now working at To the Stars Academy. Yeah, they're taking their breaks. They're doing some cloud busting. It's just how they, you know, they, they pass their time. I mean, seriously, though. <laughs> and, you know, um, the part of the government that is now working with To the Stars Academy is part of that same kind of milieu of – Army Materiel Command and then um, Futures Command and everything else. Um, these are kind of offshoot groups from that original idea, though, that Jim Channon had of, you know, preparing the army for the next generation and mm. looking into fringe technologies and ideas to get ready. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if yeah, these people that have made a career out of kind of getting government contracts to study weird stuff have just continued that career. That is, you know, that isn't, that's maybe the least surprising thing of all of this, that these people who have been so successful, you know, Pudoff's initial study on, uh, remote viewing came out in the late seventies and was almost immediately discredited. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he turned it into a 25 year career, right? You know, yeah. um, because he's a true believer because he really thinks this stuff is true. So to me, it's not crazy or amazing to think that there are other people like that out there who really really believe this stuff and you know and again that's not to besmirch anyone's belief system or anything else or anything like that it's just they've been very good at getting government funding for this work that a lot of people would consider to be too fringe um to fund seriously living the dream you know in one way seriously dude oh my god if i could work on psychic studies for the government i would be amazing it'd be so cool hell yes hey i'll say this you know we can wrap up here uh in 2022 2023 you and i maybe uh bigelow can put us up in his space hotel and tell us all about it we can stay in the uh ttsa wing and hear all about it (laughs) oh my goodness man you know you know what's funny actually on twitter the new thing since disclosure didn't it doesn't seem to be happening this year or anytime soon now the disclosure pushers are are moving to well 2025 disclosure will happen well that's a nice round number so why not oh my god it's every year Uh, we would make a killing selling disclosure or you know 2014 the year of disclosure 20 2019 the year disclosure every year is t public uh here i come with a new teacher (laughs) i'm telling you man every year has been the year of disclosure of imminent disclosure so you know next year it'll be the year of imminent disclosure i'm sure as well so nation what questions do you have about this whole muddled mess because it is a muddled mess we just wanted to have a conversation what questions do you have what didn't we answer what things do you have to add Hop on Hysteria Nation. Let us know. Just go to Facebook, search Hysteria Nation. You can find this episode also and all our old episodes on Facebook.com slash Hysteria51Pod. That is our regular page on there. And don't forget, you can also tweet to us at Hysteria51Pod. Patreon, Patreon.com slash hysteria fifty one Get extra episodes, T-shirts. You can host your own episode. Everything. 
Hear your own voice on the show, 773-669-7277. Again, that's 773-669-7277. If you forget any of this information, just hop on hysteria51.com. But the place you need to be hopping is Mad Scientist Podcast. Chris, thank you so much today. And uh, tell everyone again, where can they find you? What do you have coming up? What's going on? Yeah, so the madscientistpodcast.com. We are slowly but surely making our way through the Bigelow series. This is a very muddled mess of you. You've done four episodes on it already, and you're not done. No, this was just a quick talk. <laughs> our page of sources is, I'm not even kidding, four pages single-spaced right now. It's crazy. We have It's like writing another thesis. We're losing our dang minds but anyways <laughs> it, we love it so next series coming up we're going to get back to some more sciencey stuff we think um but yeah if you're interested in this stuff check us out at mad scientist pod on twitter the mad scientist podcast.com um audio boom slash the mad scientist podcast uh our logo is easy to find it's the one with the jack-o'-lantern face so yeah check it out and hey listeners if if you have questions for me on the page and stuff just at me i'm on the hysteria 51 page all the time so. yeah you know i'll post the uh you know we always post this this episode on there if you have questions if this was any specific direct questions we're happy to, to answer because it's hard to talk about something like this and cover all of it in an hour <laughs> Or oh my God. six or seven hours so far, you know, and <laughs> or whatever and counting. And it's also something that if you ask online a lot of times, you get bashed, period, from one yeah. side or the other. And I always say, I don't know what's happening. I want to know. I want to know. I don't understand everything that's going on with TCSA or Bigelow Aerospace or anything. I wish I did. I don't, but I'm really interested and I want to learn it. So... <sighs> Will I ever know? Probably not. But in my mind... In my mind, I'll, you know, I'm the master of all I survey anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, kids. So that's been our take this week. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been Chris Cogswell. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.